This is Shift Run Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. It's um, episode 17, I think. It is. We've got Sydney Padua coming in today. She's lovely. She's. I saw her at, what was it called, the Story Conference. Yeah, um, Matlock's conference about storytelling. Okay. Yeah, and it, it was very interesting, but she was by far the best thing there, so I sort of nabbed her and said, can you come and come on our podcast? Yeah, she's really cool. She does a, a webcomic, but also she's an animator, and she makes films, like proper feature films. What else has she done? Oh, yeah, Babbage and Ada Lovelace comic strip on the internet yeah time time. 2d goggles that's her that's her thing mm. so we'll ask her all about that we should explain that, that we're in a we're in a pub at the moment which is why all this <laughs> hideous background noise is going on but it's quite nice isn't it well, atmospheric yeah it's nice to um to occasionally represent what we really do with our time no yeah, but i mean drink. yeah this, this is good we're 15 stories up looking over london yeah is that good. giving away too much information could well, people could people narrow it down if to... people can work it out based on that i know maybe they can yeah, some of our listeners will be able to if you if you think you know don't, please don't tweet it. <laughs> Keep it yourself. Just tell us quietly. We couldn't be more pleased to have with us this week Sydney Padger, who you may know as being uh, an illustrator, mm. a comic artist. Um, you Ada might... Lovelace fan. Yes. Charles Ada... Babbage expert. And also, uh, as a day job, has worked on, well, I guess quite a few films, but you worked on The Golden Compass, mm-hmm. um, just finished Clash of the Titans. Uh, yeah, uh, Clash was finished two weeks ago. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, was that so. a lot of work? Yeah, Clash, Clash was a lot of work, but it was really fun. It was a really nice show, really laid back and just fun. And so, for that, you were animating lots of big, scary monsters and animals. Is it, is it going to be as good as the uh, the old Clash of the Titans film? Mm-hmm. With, its, with its amazing stop-motion animation? What is that? Oh, what, yeah, what could possibly be as good as the original? Uh, Give it a chance. <laughs> well, I, I just did the giant scorpions, and I haven't seen the film, because you only see the, um, the little frames that you're working on at any one time. Uh-huh. But... Um, uh, the giant scorpions look really cool. Is Clash of the Titans going to be a 3D movie, do you know? You know, I think they they weren't originally going to do it, but now they're retro... Really? ...getting it in 3D. <laughs> this is like when they painted black and white films yeah, into yeah, colour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess for the, for the 3D rendered sections, that's very easy to make into 3D. Oh, yeah, that's no problem at all. But for the other stuff, you, you're going to have to... <laughs> I don't know, like, they, they have a cunning plan, and I'm sure... Wow. <laughs> no, because it's all like, a, seriously, computers are amazing things, yeah, you know? Yeah, no, I don't doubt that. I'm in computers I'm in the mainframe I'm in your headphones Sydney, tell us about your webcomic, 2D Goggles. It's got another name as well, hasn't it? Well, it's, I guess the website is 2D Goggles and the comic is either... Lovelace and Babbage, or Babbage and Lovelace. <laughs> I ran a poll on Twitter to see what I should call it, and it came out exactly 50-50, oh, so I no. keep changing it. Uh, <laughs> it's not really meant to be a, a comic. It's more kind of a space for me to play around with the idea of possibly doing a comic. Um, okay. So it just kind of... It looks a lot like a comic. It does look like a comic, <laughs> but that's a deceptive. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a theoretical comic. That's, okay. It's an imaginary comic that's kind so of... So when did you first sort of become interested in Babbage and Lovelace, I suppose? What was it about them that... 
um, that's actually, it's completely accidental. Um, exactly 11 months ago for Ada Lovelace Day, oh, um, yeah. which uh, a friend of mine, Sue Sharman, she had started this thing. You were supposed to take this pledge and do a blog post about a woman in technology. And I was like, yeah, I've wanted to do something with comics. I'll just do this little funny comic about Ada Lovelace. So I just read, seriously, Wikipedia. <laughs> you know? Oh, right, she did this. I think I'd heard that in, a, in our time did a thing on her mm -hmm. as well so you know and I, I was kind of leafing through some stuff so I just kind of threw together the origin story for Ada Lovelace Day and the punchline of the kind of biographical comic was this panel where they're fighting crime <laughs> and, <laughs> um, because it's kind of, it's, a, it's a crazy story I mean you couldn't make this up she was Byron's daughter and literally her mother everyone worried that she was going to go mad because Byron was mm. uh, depressive and uh, had this hereditary insanity um, so her mother had this theory that if she was kind of drilled in mathematics that would kind of force this logical construction onto her brain and I mean, it sounds like a comic book characters. And then I'd started to get into the history and I'd read all this stuff. If you go back through the archives, I'm definitely, you know, I'm pretty explicit. You know, I'm, this isn't a comic <laughs> It's quite, what I like about it is that it's illustrating the text rather than the other way around. Like, you've got lots of footnotes and lots of points and sort of... Yeah, the footnotes wordy, are... Which is nice. The footnotes are an unexpected part of it because I, I had really started it to play with... Uh, comics because I, I've done storyboarding and I'm an animator but um, I love comics but I've never sat down and done a proper one and it's quite technical uh, story construction in comics so um, so I was just kind of playing with the, the intention was to kind of experiment with the story construction um, but I started going into the whole history of it and um, what I what I found completely addictive was Google Books um, because you, they have all these scanned piles and piles and piles of, of periodicals yeah. and books and whatnot from from the period from the 1830s. Um, so and you can just Google stuff, Google names, and go back and read them. Wow. And uh, it was just revelatory because these the personalities were so huge and. Um, and they're always doing funny things, and there were so many gags. Um, and it's actually, the history is much funnier and more mm. interesting, I think, than the comic. So everything I did in the comic, I felt kind of compelled to say, no, but seriously, what's really funny is, <laughs> is, <laughs> is this, these wonderful stories about Brunel and, uh, and Babbage. Uh, so you end up with these really detailed footnotes that kind of bring the, yeah. bring the story. It's great, and you feel like you're learning while you're reading it. So you're going, oh, yeah, that's really cool. But it's, you know, so funny as well. How regular um, is it, or how irregular is oh, it? Oh, geez. If I can get an episode out every three weeks... Uh, that would be a really good run for me. Okay. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's a very complicated style, um, for one thing. Uh, and it's also, I think a lot of webcomics that are weekly uh, are doing a page a week. Mm. Um, and I think the comics tend to be, they're scrolling, so it's kind of hard to break down, but they're, they're probably four or five pages each episode. There's a episode. lot in each one, isn't it? They're um, very, very, big. yeah, they're very dense, and it's a very mm. difficult style, that black and white. Mm. Um, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah. How do you so achieve it? Do you do that with, with pen and ink on, um, on paper and then scan it? Or, or what? Yeah, no. How do you do that? That's actually, um, I use a Wacom 
tablet uh, Cintiq. It's like a screen that you can draw on. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, it's fabulous. <laughs> it was a complete indulgence to buy this thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, there's no paper involved actually at any point in the comic. Sometimes I do roughs on paper, but generally I just draw it straight onto the screen. It is a lovely style. It's gorgeous. I'm in computers. Um, and I think we're both going to record the insides of our fridges for, for the um, fridge interior noise collection that we're yeah. making. Well, last week you said something like, you know, we should, we should do it ourselves since we're expecting other people yes, to. Yes, I did. So, uh, so this is my fridge. Brilliant. Yeah, and this is Layla's fridge. This is the sound of my fridge. You can only hear that. I mean, the, the thing with my fridge is, it is surprisingly noisy. Like in the daytime, you don't really hear anything, but at nighttime, it starts dropping ice through some sort of secret compartment. Does it? It doesn't have an ice maker or anything. <laughs> it just makes it that just noise. It just starts making a sound that sounds like it's something is falling from a great height and crashing onto the rocks below. So that, that's my fridge, anyway. It's, it's not. It's not haunted like the one in Ghostbusters, but it does sound like it is. Babbage designed two machines uh, that are really distinct, and actually the very fact that there were two machines has a lot to do with kind of his arc as a person in real life. Um, he, he was a mathematician. Uh, he was Lucasian professor of mathematics in, in Cambridge, um, like Newton. Um, and he had come up with this, um, oh, how do you describe it? Uh, it's a, it was a way of counting mechanically, um, and it all operated with, with these cogs and gears. Uh, it was never built, none of his machines were built mm. in his own lifetime. But you can see the, the, um, his first design, the difference engine, at the Science Museum. Mm. Part of the reason it was so complicated was because Babbage had this obsession with making it more perfect, more foolproof, bigger, more decimal places. I think he put seven decimal places, which is apparently nobody needed for anything <laughs> in this thing. But it was an amazing machine. Everyone in his own time knew that he was a genius, and everyone knew the machine was amazing. And mm. I think that there's a bit of a mythology now that, oh, poor Charles Babbage, everyone thought he was some idiot, but he was totally right. Um, that's not true. Like, you read the period stuff, and everyone was like, Babbage, he was an amazing genius, but this machine is going to cost unbelievable amounts of money. It was kind of a cost-benefit thing, because the problem was that ultimately the difference engine would print out these log tables. Um, you can still find them. Google Books has loads of these log tables. It's just pages and pages and pages and pages of, if you multiply 257 by 578, you get this. Yeah, so you don't have to do it yourself. Unfortunately, Babbage, at the same time as he was designing the difference engine, he was also on this project to get rid of all the errors from the existing log tables. So he actually was making the difference engine redundant, even as he was doing it, because the, the, all the difference engine could have done was just reprint all these log tables that he was already fixing, but it would do it in this really cool way. So, um, so yeah, he, he just didn't... So he, he had built this design, the, the British government had thrown all this money at it, um, 
it turned out to be much more complicated than anyone had thought. I think 17,000 pounds was the grant he got in the end from the government, wow. in, including all this cash he himself had poured into it. Uh, and in the end, all he built was a little thing, you know, about yay big, um, because he was such a perfectionist and, and because it was just beyond anything anyone else had ever conceived of, really. Uh, in the early 1830s, he suddenly had this idea, you know, how it could be so much better. Um, and that idea was the punch cards mm -hmm. that actually, if you could find a way, take the whole cog principle of the difference engine, um, but control the cogs with punch cards, you could then have the machine do all kinds of stuff, not just this difference thing, mm. but it could, do, it could do anything mathematical, um, which would have been incredibly useful. Uh, but he had, he had worn out kind of his welcome with the British government at that point. Um, plus, I have to say, no one can still agree as to whether the analytical engine, which was his second engine, could ever have been built. Already, the difference engine was ridiculously big. The analytical engine was massive. But the amazing thing about the analytical engine, when, you know, and why he shows up in, you know, any book on science history, is that it was essentially a computer. I mean, just that you had, instead of electronic impulses and, and binary, it was, you know, these cogs in a decimal system mm. um, but in any in any other way it was essentially a computer and if you built one big enough um, it could do anything that a modern computer could do Dave, what have you got here? This, this so, so, so this, uh, and like and Lola asked me to bring this in uh, months ago, but I've only just found it. I'll, I'll start it up to see if anyone has a, a little nostalgic free song of the past. Oh. That sounds like... Actually, there's a, there's a Pelican Crossing in Dublin and like, <laughs> that, that, that pretty much does exactly this sort of thing. And, uh, and then it has a countdown like before the Green Man appears. But it isn't a, a Pelican Crossing from Dublin that I brought into the studio this week. Damn. It's, it's Lights Out by from Tiger Games. By Tiger Electronics. And just looking at the back, it dates back to 1995. Seems like only yesterday, yeah. as the carpenters might put it. But um, yeah, it, like, it, in, uh, in terms of electronic entertainment, is, uh, is many centuries. Lights Out, as the title uh, suggests. Uh, and, and you've played it in the past. I think so. Along oh, with uh, Simon Says, but mm. quite a few years after well, Simon Says. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is, this is after Simon Says. Yeah. So Lights Out displays uh, uh, some lights on a 5x5 on a five five grid, and then when you press one of the buttons, it, it's a, a bit like Conway's Life, the yeah. cellular automata. And uh, when you press a button, it goes, if it's on, it goes off, and if it's off, it goes on. But it has the same effect on all, its, all of its immediate neighbours. Up, down, left, right, but not diagonal. Not diagonal, yeah. Okay. So, and as the name of the game implies, what you're actually trying to do is switch off the lights, which I'm singularly failing to do here. But, oh, hang on. Oh, it's close. Oh, it's close. It constantly tantalises you with making you think that you're close to it. The amazing thing about the game, to be honest, is that it's got, a, it's got an incredibly tactile interface. And like, I mean, if you haven't tried it... Aside from anything else, it's got 25 buttons with lights behind them that light up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, just in terms of hack hackability value, mm -hmm. there's a nice bit of electronics. Amazing lights out trivia. There's an episode of Red Dwarf where it's used as a kind of keypad to get into a door. <laughs> Brilliant. Which one? The, I, um, I well, I don't know which, like, I don't know which episode of Red Dwarf. There was a, there was a huge Vogue... Um, 
Rubbish Fairly recently. Yeah, you haven't got any of the lights out. What are you playing at? She's turning the lights on and pretty you've, you've actually you've, you've got to get them all out. That's the. Uh, there's an there's an iPhone app that does this. Yeah, and and uh, and several knockoff versions. Is there any way of turning the noise off? It seems oh, like yeah, it's no, not really adding anything. There we go, right. But, no, no, it's less oh, fun. Faster now. It's less fun without the noise. Yeah, I, can, I don't feel so self-conscious. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't let you on to the next one. Like, I'm going to start again. Until Does it, uh, it always start with the same pattern? It, 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 well, it's currently going through its levels. It thinks this uh, is an easy level. <laughs> we haven't well, done it yet. We should say this is, this is sort of a thing about the size of a, an old... Game Boy or something. A bit yeah, yeah, original um, Game Boy or something, isn't it? And it's, it? uh, what, what, five by five. Five by five. And, and they're rubber, big rubber square buttons, and they're really nice and soft to touch, and then this little light comes on behind mm-hmm. each one. Okay, Layla's got it into the, f- the winning position. Should we film this? Yeah. yeah. But what it'll do, it'll flash up a big X because you didn't do it in enough moves. Oh. Loser. Oh, no. So now it sends you back to level one again, but assume, like uh, on the assumption that you should be able to do it like that. Brilliant. From there. Oh, that was hard. Have you had this since 1995, Dave? Um, I, I had one in 1995. I don't think this is the same one. I think the one my brother took apart might be one of the same ones. Okay. But yeah, you see them occasionally at car, uh, car boot sales. Is it making noise? Is it coming? Humming? Yeah, it's making a good is noise. It? Yeah, there's a humming coming out of there. It's, well, it's got a lot, it, uh, and those are quite old um, LEDs, so mm. that, that's pretty much the entertainment potential of lights out, lights exhausted. Out. Uh, and you know, and, that was, and that's just level one. It made it like, you know, from, it, looks, it looks like it has 25 of those puzzles Imagine inside we, its fiendish memory. Imagine if we could get past level one. <laughs> <laughs> Between the three of us, we can't, we, you know, it's a kid's game. In 1995, presumably there was a premium rate tips line you could ring up oh, and, go, and, and someone would be going, no, no, middle left. <laughs> that's brilliant. Thanks, Dave. Anytime. But what? So where where does um, Ada come into the story? Um, did they did they meet in real life? Oh yeah 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 for sure. They, yeah. Um, they um, Ada was uh, about what twenty four years younger. She was very very keen on on math, and she had seen um, he had in his house he had the fragment of the difference engine that he had built. And she'd seen that, he'd seen him demonstrate that when uh, when she was 18. Um, and she spent uh, pretty much the next 10 years of her life obsessing over this machine. And it's difficult to talk about Lovelace because she's so, um, there's so much argument over her and she's on such an agenda for a lot of people. Um, She's fascinating because there's this unknowableness kind of there because she was a woman and because she had to hide, I think, a lot of herself. Um, So you just have all these private letters uh, that people interpret in various ways. But I I mean, Babbage is a he's an open book. I mean, not just in terms of, you know, he was a public figure and he published all this stuff. But like as a personality, he was an open book. I mean everything he thought about anything he would you know write a letter to the paper um whereas it's convenient if you want to study something yeah absolutely nice, like I mean, there's no huge mystery around Babbage <laughs> uh whereas Lovelace is a, kind of a huge and somewhat unknowable mystery I think but um is that because it would have been impossible for her to write letters to the papers and to and to have things published or because she didn't want to she I think she well she was kind of in a bind because she 
I think she loved the idea of being able to be a scientist. That was her dream. Mm. But it was so utterly a dream for a woman, um, and certainly a woman in her position. Uh, you know, she was a countess, and she was also she was as she was the daughter of Byron. So she would have been. She was this enormous, very strange celebrity who was watched very closely all the time. And her mother was a psychopath, basically, who also watched her very closely. And then her husband, you know, like she was in a panopticon of, of people watching her. Um, it was very difficult for her to get at the information she needed. Um, women couldn't join the Royal Society. They couldn't, nobody took them seriously. Like she had to pester mathematicians to get, uh, to get them to look over her work. Um, if any, if, if any scientist of the 19th century would have been capable of working with a woman as an equal, it would certainly have been Babbage. Um, he was much more open-minded about women and, and than almost anyone else I can find from that period. I mean, it gets, it, it wears you down reading all these primary documents, just, you know, as a woman, it does wear you down because, you know, you're, you're, you're always, the women, women in science were a joke mm. at that time. But it, so in any case, so she was, she was kind of bantering Babbage, and Babbage was always more than happy to talk to anybody for hours about his engine. Um, <laughs> so, she, and he, he was a very unusual personality for a mathematician in that he was extremely extroverted, um, and he loved to have just people around, and he loved to have women around especially. Um, so she would basically hang out uh, with him, and he would go on about the engine. Um, there was a point in the early 40s, uh, 1840s, that uh, Babbage had gone on this tour of Europe to, uh, uh, to pitch the analytical engine. And in the course of that, some, this Italian mathematician uh, wrote a little paper kind of describing the machine. And it was the, it was the first time actually anyone had written a serious piece describing the analytical engine. Without apparently Babbage knowing about it, um, she wrote this translation. When Babbage heard about it, he was like, uh, he could have gone in a lot of different directions because he was, you know, quite emotional about his machine, but uh, the direction he went in was quite a good one. He was like, this is awesome, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, why don't you, you, you should add some notes, you know, more notes. She had already put a couple of little footnotes kind of with corrections. So he was like, you should, you should add more stuff, you know. So she kind of ran with it and started adding all these huge footnotes. Um, and her footnotes are three times the length of the original paper <laughs> now. So, so that whole package, kind of the translation and the footnotes, were then published anonymously. And that is the only really complete description of the engine all the way up through, through this century. Um, when Babbage's ideas were used you know, by Turing um, and Aiken and all these later kind of computer people at the early part of this century, they were using Lovelace's paper right. as their jumping off point because Babbage's designs, complete as they were, were all in a trunk, you know, and nobody even looked at them uh, until the 50s. In this sense, Lovelace was the lens through which Babbage came through to the 20th century. Around the 
around the world in 80 snacks. The globe spins around, my friends, to India and, uh, and Calcutta, a bustling metropolis of 15 million people. The only familiar brand that I saw amongst the, 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 the confectionery, there's a lot of Cadbury products there. And I don't know if this is a throwback to, uh, to uh, in India's uh, imperial past, but um, I thought these were interesting. The Cadbury Nutty. Mm, Ooh, I've, never seen, nice. I've never seen those over here. It's like it's got pictures of cashews on so, the front. Well, yeah, oh, like, and... and Candied cashew bits, bits you say, <laughs> enrobed in chocolate. Yes, oh, I don't know. As opposed to cashew nuts. Well, you know, it's cheaper, isn't it? Oh, look, I'm, oh, it's, it's, it, and it's actually not that many of them in there. And they're, they're, yeah, so they're actually about the, they're about the size of a medium revel. Uh, <laughs> oh. Oh, my God. It's like solid um, toffee. Crikey, that's crunchy. I was expecting a cashew nut with some caramel with, with it. chocolate on it. Yeah, but they're actually, mm-hmm. yeah, the process of caramelising the mm-hmm. cashew nut mm-hmm. seems to be making it into a peanut brittle. Oh yeah, that's what it's like. It's well, like a ball of cashew. You look at brittle. the inside; mm. it's really sort of small pieces of cashew. And I was intrigued because the cashew is mm. quite an expensive nut, but the brittle quite cheap. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, how much was a box of nutties then? Well, I mean, by by our standards, quite cheap. I, I mean, a lot of these were, were um, between about ten or twenty rupees, which is about fifteen to thirty pence. Wow! Well, what's uh, this? This now, is another cabaret. Now, th- this this appears to be a lighter bite, <laughs> right? Um, and this is this you're is using jingo on me. You're using buzzwords from the industry. Aren't mm-hmm. you? Um, th- this th- this appears to be called the Cadbury's Ultra Perk. Ultra Perk. It, doesn't, no it, it doesn't have an R. It has an R in Perk. <laughs> no R in Ultra. So this looks like a kind of Kit Katty kind of thing. This looks like a butterfinger. Kind of wafer shape. Yeah, oh, and it's got some goo inside. Who who wants oh, to? I'll try some goo. Oh, so, I mean, I can I can I can probably find a, an, an official description no, if you want it before you eat it. Mm. It's um yeah, so it's That's it's quite nice. You know, cheese footballs. Yeah. Imagine that with exactly. slightly chocolatey stuff instead exactly. of cheese. It's exactly what it's like. It's something like a a caf- a wafer bar with cocoa cream filling. It's like so I'm not a, not a fan of the the cream filling. Uh-huh. It needs to either taste more like chocolate or more like cheese. At the moment, it's somewhere, <laughs> somewhere disturbingly in between. It's supposed to taste like cheese at all. It's in that kind of like uh, Kinder Bueno, um, mm. Kit Kat Senses uh, mm. kind of uh, yeah. market. I'm with you there. Um, well, that's okay. The Ultra Perk is... Uh, um, it's, 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 all right. it's not offensive. And, right. and you know, it's <laughs> better than that stuff last week. And this it's, isn't it's, exactly uh, no, that, and that, that's, that's from Cadbury that's, that's oh, well, as well. So, you know. We should say there's a website address on the side. What's that? www.takeitlightly.com. So maybe it's a, a low calorie treat. Um, oh, Dave's brought out a sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that without laughing. Oh, <laughs> <Dave's> <laughs> <would say. laughs> this does look a lot like a sex toy. This yeah. thing. Just it's a, what, what do you mean? This is, these, no, these, are, these, are, these are Cadbury's gems, and like, and it's got a kind of knob, <laughs> What's this knobby bit. <laughs> it's it's got a. a <laughs> Dave, this thing on, activated the vibrator. It, this, thi- this thing on top here is a little game, is a kind of magnetic uh, ball bearing game. Oh, it's, it's proving quite difficult. You see? You like a. Uh, oh, this you, is fun, this is fun. You, you kids with your PlayStation 4s <laughs> oh. and, uh, and your Nintendo Xbox. So, what we've got here is, like, is a hemisphere uh, with three podia. I'm going to pluralise podium, uh, okay, roughly. Yeah. Uh, some ball bearings and a magnet on a string, well, a bit of plastic, which Tiny you can magnet. use to pick up. The ball bearings and then drop them on the podium. That's weird, but it does look fun. It looks like a good game. It's a very, it's a, it's a very difficult game. Uh, Cadbury's gems are basically Smarties. Okay. Why, why do they have a new? Oh, oh, they're kind of lumpen. They're not, they're not perfect. Mine's not perfect. They're not perfect. It's like it's been handmade. It's come, it's come a long way. Well, well, that, oh, Dave, maybe I'm spoiled by other chocolate, but this 
Tastes like a not very good Smarties. They're, they're not brilliant Smarties, to be honest. I'd often wondered why haven't Cadbury's come up... You know, Cadbury's have never come up with a Smartie in this country. They, ha- they have the mini egg, which I hope to be doing a bit of an overview yeah. um, of as we, uh, as we come up to Easter. In, re- like, in retrospect, um, yeah, you know, not a fantastic... Um, hall of, of confectionery uh, from India, but mm. a lot, I, I was um, I was very entertained by the names. That concludes our, our globe trotting mm. um, for this week, at least. I'm on the This week my dog had a sore throat, uh, but she's a bit better now, and so what I will do is live up to my promise of making her bark on tape, which will come up in a minute. Brilliant. Amina, speak. Sit. Good girl. Down. Good girl. Sit. Good girl. Paul. Good girl. Good girl. Speak. Good girl. To me, it looks like shortly after she wrote the notes, she really started to slide down into a bad space mentally. I mean, she was, she was under so many different kinds of pressure. Uh, to my eye, it looks like she was manic depressive or something because there's, there's a lot of strangeness uh, in her letters that's very patchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally she's, she's just this funny, intelligent, mm-hmm. very strangely modern person. And then you'll get a batch of letters that are just weird. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's difficult to convey how strange these, uh, a person she was, but, um, you're kind of dealing with this very patchy stuff with Lovelace. It's kind of, I think, that makes people so obsessive about her, is this vacuum. Is that what appeals to you, do you think, as well? That she's, there's lots of scope for taking which, which personality you want and building it up? Or yeah, for sure. Like, try to be, I mean, you're saying before that she, she kind of loses it and falls apart a bit. And do you, do you try and follow that through with the cartoon? With the yeah, I haven't, I haven't touched it yet, but uh, mm-hmm. the next year she starts... Oh, I should have brought my laptop because I could just show you. <laughs> In real life, it was opium that was her issue because right. her, her doctor had prescribed it. To try to cope with all this uh, this oddness, mm. uh, and obviously that's not the best way to, to do that. Um, <laughs> These days, you probably would have been prescribed something different. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think okay. the chemicals would have been a bit yeah, different. I mean, Morphine. Yeah. yeah, they. they, they, they yeah. So I'm I'm fascinated by the way that you portray her physically. She seems. Uh, and, you know, I'd like to know whether you have based this on any um, paintings of her or, or sketches of her, because she seems like a cross between you and Sue Charman Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. I draw her kind of as a version of Byron. There are um, <laughs> there's a couple of portraits of her. Uh, typically, for Lovelace, there's a couple of portraits that people say of her are of her, but aren't um, properly attributed. Okay. Um, and there's one really terrible photograph. Uh, from just before she died um, but it's quite again I mean it's perfect you couldn't make it out because it's quite blurry and it's a profile and it's just this kind of shadowy wow. uh, and that's the only photo that that's the only photo yeah she, because she died when photography was just oh, in its infancy so Sydney has drawn for us <laughs> these five beautiful um, inlay cards one has Charles Babbage one has Ada Lovelace, one has what I can't really describe as a pony because it's, it's more a like pony. a kind of a rampant <laughs> stallion. 
rearing up on its hind legs to crush you with its forehooves. And, um, and two, uh, which, are, which are rabbits, very cute bunnies with, uh, with headphones and um, computers in front of them. Well, thank you, Sydney. You're very generous. If you want to buy a tape, then you should go to our website and you might get one that's been drawn by Sydney Padua. Go to chiffonstop.co.uk stroke buy dash tapes. Do that. Yeah. Um, there'll be a link on the blog post as well. Yeah, do that. And, and the, the blog, as ever, is uh, shiffronstop.co.uk. Uh, we're on Twitter at uh, shiffronstop. We're still excited about doing a, a live party, and we've started to have ideas about where we could do it. If you work for a, a venue or a cinema or um, a, a, a massive Namco-sponsored um, games arcade, for example... Or even just a big pub with, like, a good function room. Anything like that, and yeah. you think that you can get us some kind of cheap deal, then we would love to have a shiffronstop party at some point with all the guests that we've had on and um, and some sort of competition winners and things like that yeah, so we probably have at least £25 in the kitty at the moment so. gone up. and yeah we have well I think it has this week I think we've sold some more we've got, we've got more than £40 in the kitty have now. we really? Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic yeah. is this including money from your brother? Well, my brother did buy a tape yeah I delivered it to him in person therefore saving oh. uh, on the postage <laughs> which was nice oh yeah if you if you um, want to buy a tape and you live within uh, within walking distance of either of our houses then that would be even better <laughs> Very nice. Sydney Padua, thank you for uh, joining us, um, and, and I honestly can't thank you enough for the Yenlei cards that you've just sketched for us. They're, they're gorgeous, and I think um, anyone who is lucky enough to receive one in the post of the buy tape is going to be lovely. Oh, no, you're most welcome. And, and sydneypadger.com is your main website, mm-hmm. portfolio and stuff. And then you've got... Twitter.com slash sydneypadua. And you've also got 2D Goggles. Is it 2dgoggles.com? Yeah, that should take you there. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It's lovely to oh, meet yeah, you. Thank you. It was cool. really fun. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.